Good evening. Welcome to August 15th, 2017, episode 111. For those of you who like to look at the clock and it's 1111, we're 111. So welcome. Hey, this is the Right Reverend John St. Germain welcoming you to the Crystal Silence League Hour. A great disappointment to those of you who tuned in for hockey tonight. Fuck the Nazis. Punch them in the eye. We hate those people. So tonight, we're going to talk about astral powers, the amazing powers of the astral being. We're also going to talk about Mercury retrograde, if that's not messing with you enough. We also have the Pleiades uh, meteor shower and a solar eclipse. What an exciting month it is for those of you in the astrological world. Come back in just a minute. Talk to you later. And I'm back. Wasn't that a short break? Because we have a lot to talk about tonight. Who, who in the world thinks it's cool to be a, a Nazi? Uh, when I was in junior high school, there were these rednecks that thought Hitler was cool. But you're a little kid. You don't know any better. You, you know, you think Charles Manson and Hitler and these guys are cool because you don't know any better. You think it's comic books. When you get old, you leave that behind you unless you're an idiot. But who 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 can even... Go out and do stuff like that and think there's not going to be consequences in this day and age. People take your picture, put it on the Internet. Your boss sees it. You go into work Monday, and your boss, unless he's an idiot too, says, go home. We don't want you here. And you walk down the street, and people say, hey, there's that idiot that was on the Internet. And you become a a pariah. Do you know that word, pariah? That's not pariah. Carrie, the singer, that's a pariah. That means you're shunned by all decent society which is most people. Most people are decent. You know, I, I believe that. Most people are decent and shun this type of behavior. And I don't normally do this. I don't normally talk about stuff like this. I normally avoid talking about stuff like this. I believe in diluting evil with good. But this is evil. This is just evil. And I feel I have to get off my uh, soft cushion uh, <laughs> that I usually sit on and talk about it because it's, just, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. And, you know, it's not like these people haven't always been around. The Ku Klux Klan's been around. The neo-Nazis have been around. The skinheads have been around. It's just now they feel like they can come out and say something about it because of their mistaken belief that the president endorses it. And the president doesn't really endorse it. He's just He says dumb things sometimes, but he doesn't endorse it. He he puts his foot in his mouth a lot, and he's, he's used as an excuse by a lot of people to do stupid things, but... You know, if he endorsed it, he would come out and endorse it, but he just avoids things and says dumb things sometimes. But, you know, let's not go off the deep end with this. Let's talk about Mercury retrograde. Uh, Mercury retrograde occurs when, and you know, there's Venus retrogrades too. There's, every planet goes into retrograde from the Earth's point of view, I believe. Uh, we call this astrological bad weather. And uh, there's troublesome periods that can cause uh, disruptions in the normal flow of our lives, or if our lives ever have a normal flow. But uh, a lot of people dread these passages, and they refuse to get on with their lives. They refuse to plan any type of uh, serious activities until the retrograde passes. And now a Mercury retrograde um, lasts about a month. So because the one we have now um, doesn't let up until first week of September. So, uh, but what a retrograde is, is the planet orbits the sun from our perspective. It first appears to be traveling left to right. Now, as it circles the sun, it appears to us moving from right to left. Uh, it appears to be going backward. Now, it isn't. It just appears that way from the planet. Now, you know, if you're uh, uh, a medieval barbarian and you're looking up at the sky, it looks like the planet goes from left to right and right to left. So that's called uh, a retrograde, this period of backward seeming movement. So what happens during a Mercury retrograde, because they anticipate all the terrible disruptions in their lives, the planet Mercury rules travel, it contracts, automobiles, sales, and anything associated with communications. 
So people can experience uh, mental fogginess, communication misunderstandings, computer crashes at critical times, cell phone disruptions, regular phone disruptions, uh, contractual delays, delays in lawsuits or insurance settlements, uh, relationships and friendships can derail because of misunderstandings, all kinds of miscommunications. Uh, there's a lot of lot of misunderstandings. Uh, you'll say something and people say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I didn't mean what you thought I mean, apparently. So it's easy to take things the wrong way during a Mercury retrograde. So I don't advise panic. That only adds to the problem. So the best thing is a forewarned is forearmed. And you know, 90% of people don't know why things happen to them. Uh, they just think things are crazy. I went into Starbucks the other morning and my uh, normally cheerful barista, uh, who's a fellow from uh, Philadelphia, by the way, uh, young man, he's glum. And uh, I'm thinking, oh dear. So uh, he says, how are you this morning? I said, well, I'm just fine. I'm having a good day. He goes, well, I wish I could say the same. And he told me that all the grumpy people had come in. And I told him about Mercury retrograde. He'd never heard of it. And he seemed a little doubtful about it. But I said, uh, people misunderstand things. You'll tell them one thing. You'll say something to them. Go, what do you mean by that? He goes, yeah, that's been happening all morning. And I said, yes, people have been hostile in traffic and yelling at each other in traffic. And uh, I said, uh, you know, most people don't have any idea, any idea why this is going on. Uh, those of us into the um, uh, spiritual awareness understand the environment can affect us. And I'm always uh, uh, touched when the rationalists say, well, the planets are too far away to have a direct effect on us. That's that's like 19th century uh, physics, uh, cause and effect, action at a distance kind of thing, uh, uh, which was derailed around the turn of the 20th century uh, by Heisenberg and Bohr, Niles Bohr and uh, uh, Einstein and uh, everybody uh, when action at a distance became a a primitive concept, and we know that there's instantaneous effects on a very subtle level. Uh, you know, quantum teleportation is now a reality, instantaneous transmission of energy and information. So to say that, well, the planets are too far away to affect us, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, the quantum interrelationship of events uh, has been an accepted fact since somewhere around 1890. So, uh, the, the rationalist worldview of Newtonian physics, uh, and, and I like their argument, that, well, you know, science, science works well, you know, you're on a phone, you're on a cell phone, yes, si science works well in engineering, yes, yes it does, I'm a retired engineer, I know that, you can build bridges and cell phones and this radio and even uh, blog talk, which works about 60% of the time, uh, yes, I'm not a, a Luddite, I'm not an anti-science at all, but you can't use archaic scientific models to debunk spiritualist uh, phenomena. But anyway, you can plan against Mercury retrograde. Uh, you give yourself extra time for travel. You avoid signing contracts if you can. Uh, you try to make, uh, you try to delay making final decisions or permanent commitments until after the retrograde has passed. Now I got some other strategies for you though. Uh, a week before Mercury retrogrades, you finish all the important tasks you can. You take care of pending personal affairs. Uh, even those you don't believe in astrological influences are nonetheless affected by them. So you prepare to deal with them. You deal. You prepare yourself to deal with angry and frustrated people. You make your mind up to be calm and patient. And you expect misunderstandings to crop up often. Now, I advise my clients to take protective measures if an important event falls within the time frame of a retrograde. Most of us who do uh, spiritual ceremonies, root workers, etc., uh, we have work pending right now. We have work for our clients. We advise our clients, Mercury retrograde is coming up. Better get something going now. And I'll tell you, I have right now uh, somewhere like 30 Mercury retrograde works in progress. Uh, my clients who didn't do it last time are doing it this time because stuff happened to them. Uh, if you have a court hearing, you might want to contact a root worker for a court case ceremony. If you're planning to give a sales pitch at work, communication work, sales work might be in order. An ounce of prevention, certainly worth a pound of cure. 
Now, this is the Crystal Silence League, so people say, well, Reverend, will crystals help? Yes. Oh, yes. But, but now, when most people think about stones in connection with the Mercury retrograde, it's usually a big one, and they're trying to hide under it. But we have a lot of them that can help protect you. And if you have a pencil handy, I'll tell you some. Uh, Mercury retrograde mainly affects the top three chakras, the upper triad, the, the throat, crown chakra, and the third eye chakra. So it's among these crystals that you want to uh, pick your uh, chakra defense system. So to help with focus, and, and most people have a certain way that they're affected by the mercury retrograde. They have a weakness that's going to hit them. And, uh, you know, it might be communication for you. It might be uh, relationships for you. It might be, uh, and by the way, uh, mercury retrograde is a great time for unwanted exes to pop out of the woodwork. I've got three or four clients, and they call me, and they forget. And they go, well, so-and-so and such-and-so and so-and-so just came. I said, it's Mercury retrograde. They go, oh. And uh, it's because it's these ex-boyfriends or girlfriends that pop out of the woodwork and say, hey, baby, what's up? And it's Mercury retrograde. It's a good time for exits to pop out of the woodwork and usually the ones you never want to hear from again. So anyway, to help with focus, uh, get you a little bag and carry citrine or sodalite or muscovite for focus if you get uh, spacey and forgetful. If you get anxious to calm yourself down, blue lace agate, celestine, or sugar light, S-U-G-A-L-I-T-E. If you get stressed, and I'll tell you it's a stressful time, you should just have these on hand. Um, amethyst, selenite, and lepidolite. And just to overall reduce anxiety and increase confidence, amazonite, Labradorite. For communication issues of any kind, blue kyanite and lapis lazuli. Now, electronics are affected by mercury retrogrades, your computers, your cell phones, and your printers. There are crystals that will protect electronics, tektites, silicon, and tungsten. Get a little bit of this, put it around your electronics, put it on your computer, put it near your laptop. Tektites, silicon and tungsten. You need to work on your luck. Sunstone, Amazonite, Aventurine. And, to, and there is a stone that actually absorbs misfortune, and that's green tourmaline. So these are... Uh, uh, just some crystals you can get. Uh, that's a lot of stones. You, you'll carry around a, a bag of stones that'll sprain your spine if you carry all of those. But uh, pick and choose. Now, if you want to go to crystalsilenceleague.org and you want to look at the February 2016 newsletter, I just basically read you that article. <laughs> uh, I have an article in there about how to protect yourself against astrological bad weather. We also discussed the Venus retrograde, too. Um, um, and the crystals to help with the Venus retrograde. So you might want to look into that as well. Uh, while we're on the subject of crystals, our crystal this week is the black obsidian. Actually, obsidian. And obsidian, a lot of people don't know, comes in different colors. There's the be beautiful rainbow obsidian. It's all different colors. Uh, and um, they, man, obsidian comes in uh, really just about all the different colors. Uh, I've seen it in uh, red and purple and green uh, and brown and uh, snowflake obsidian is black and it has these little snowflake shapes and they're very good that's a very good stone for getting to the surface hidden issues suppressed issues uh, now black obsidian is the one most people know about. I'm going to tell you, first of all, it's a very good stone for scrying. An obsidian orb is very good for scrying. And an obsidian palm stone, a stone that is flat and irregularly shaped that fits into the palm of your hand. You choose these very carefully so that they look like a pool of black ink in the palm of your hand. An excellent scrying stone. Apache, tear, Apache tears are a type of obsidian. Obsidian is volcanic glass, black or colored volcanic glass. Uh, 
and Apache tears are formed in the desert when uh, black lava is spewed in the air and it lands on the sand and forms Apache tears. Uh, that's very good for uh, catalyzing grief. Um, black obsidian actually is good in past life work. You put it on your third eye, or some people put it on the back of their neck during meditation to help uh, delve into their past life and also to heal past life issues. Uh, it's also good, I found, to help in ancestral uh, issues that are passed from generation to generation, like ancestral uh, hexing and ancestral uh, issues that are passed down from mother to daughter, father to son. Uh, it does. Uh, the black obsidian vibrates and resonates with the third eye, oddly enough, you, uh, even though it's black. And uh, you, uh, um, it will absorb all negativity. Uh, I advise a lot of my clients who are very stressed and, uh, uh, you know, people who are um, – they, they tend to see the worst-case scenario to have a black orb. And I say, just hold it in your hands and give it to the orb. And obsidian never needs to be discharged. You never have to discharge it. Although if you feel you have to, uh, I say take it out to a tree and shake it into the tree. Let the tree have it. Um, I, but you never have to. Now, people do, but you never have to. There's a kind of psychic uh, – clutter, kind of a psychic uh, pollution that can build up in your aura. Take the obsidian and rub it up and down your aura and it will suck it out like a vacuum cleaner. It is a wonderful stone. Nothing can escape its ebony trap. It will also help with bad spirits in your house if you have obsidian around your house. It's one of the protective stones um, help you with that. Now, to make an infusion or an elixir, um, it's very hard. It won't come apart, make sure you wash any stone you make an elixir with, put it in a jar, fill it with fresh water. Uh, spring water is good. Uh, cap it, put it out in the uh, sun if you're doing healing, put it in the moon if you're doing magic. That's kind of a rule I do. Some people like to put it in the sun and the moon both, leave it for 24 hours. Um, some of the uh, ritual people, uh, Western esotericists, like to leave it out, in, uh, leave it out for seven days. Then you uh, add some brandy to it, now, you can add apple cider vinegar, I'm told, as a preservative if you don't like to have alcohol in it, and I can see why many people wouldn't. Uh, someone reminded me of that. They said, you know, some people don't want to drink alcohol, and I said, well, you're right. You can you can add vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Uh, the idea is you don't want algae to grow in your uh, elixir. You don't want you know to have mold and algae and stuff growing in your water. And then you can have this elixir that you can use. You put it under your tongue. You can uh, anoint your R's with it. You can sprinkle it around your environment. And that's that's our uh, stone black obsidian. Uh, we have uh, we have a nice little active. Uh, wow, we got a. For us, we have a pretty full. We have like three people in our chat room. We have a full uh, guest here. And if you have any questions, or you have any comments, or you have anything you'd like to discuss, we do have a call-in number, 657-383-0525. Press 1, and I will uh, put you on the air, and you can uh, vent, you can rage, you can ask questions, you can talk. Uh, we don't get that much on the show, but sometimes we do. And if you'd like to do that, be my guest. Just grab my attention. Uh, this is the Crystal Silence League, which was founded in 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, who was a magical adept. He was also a professional entertainer for, we believe, about nine years, at which point he had had enough of it, retired a multimillionaire, and uh, he had founded the Crystal Silence League during that time and uh, for the purpose of distributing positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need of comfort. Uh, he kept this up uh, during his entire lifetime. Uh, he had a publishing house, and he published uh, spiritual and uh, new thought literature, uh, he sold crystal balls and crystals to uh, anybody who wanted to buy them, and uh, he published a number of books on the use of the crystals and crystal balls. When he passed into the silence around 1954, uh, the League went with him until Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it out of the silence about 2009 in cybernetic form, and you can find us on the web, www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And you'll find that you can post prayers there. Now, in Mr. Conlon's day, they mailed them to him on postcards. And uh, 
So he had these great mailbags, postcards, and he would lay his crystal ball upon these stacks of postcards, and he would pray over them. Now, the pastors in the Crystal Silence League print these prayers out, and we put them on our altars, and we put our crystal balls on those altars. We have crystal ball altars. You can see pictures of them on the website, too. And you can see pictures of mine on my website or on my Facebook page. And, and we pray. We pray for you. And we get easily 200 prayers a week now. And prayer is always free. And to become a member, you buy something from us, basically. You buy a crystal ball or you buy a crystal. And you can buy a book. And there are several books. We have a couple of books from our founder, Mr. Conlon, on the use of crystal balls. And a book by me, uh, the Jovial uh, Reverend John St. Germain, called Crystal Magic, Divination, Healing, and Spell Work Through the Use of Crystals and crystal balls and gemstones, something like that, which you can buy for the $9.95, I think. You can buy it from uh, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, or you can buy it on Amazon, or you can buy it from me. Uh, many ways you can buy it. And uh, if you buy it, though, from Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, you get a year's membership in Crystal Silence League. And uh, so that's a good thing that you'll buy it from the gift shop. Get a membership. You buy it from me, you don't get a membership in anything. But you do get an autograph, so it's up to you. So let's go and uh, read some prayers. I'm going to bring some read some prayers out loud, and you are so welcome to pray with me. If you have a crystal ball, as I do on my desk, uh, you can project your prayers using uh, silent induction to all the people in need of prayers. I don't read the names aloud, although I see the, the names and I see the pictures, and you could too if you were a member. And uh, a handsome-looking bunch you sure are, some of you. Some of you could use a little work, but most of you are a very handsome bunch. And uh, those of you who do need a little work, I will, pray, I will pray for you, that's for sure. God grant these people some uh, good looks. And uh, I want to read aloud and use the prayer ID number, because we are anonymous in this league. So please pray with me for the following people. Prayer ID 64428, who prays, I wish to talk to God openly and honestly, admit to God or the supreme being of your belief that you need help going forward. Your angel, spirit, God, ancestors, and soul family are forever at your side, waiting for you to ask for their help. They never abandon you, but are on your side, helping you with gentle words of encouragement. All you need to do is ask. Amen. A prayer ID 64427. Words cannot convey how weary I have become due to the lack of love and forward movement in my career. The past month or so has rendered me bewildered as I now feel betrayed by the one I love and stagnant in obtaining another employment opportunity. Hopelessness has settled into my emotional being. God, grant me mercy and replace the melancholy with joy. I humbly ask you to bless me with the love of a lifetime partner and a long-term prosperous career with financial abundance. Amen. Prayer ID 64426. Hi, thank you for all your prayers. They help make them come true. I pray yours come true too. Please pray that I will get a tenant today for my place. Would love for a long-term tenant with no problems or complaints from them. May they take care of my place. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 64425. Please pray my upcoming court case at Manchester Court be dismissed. So mote it be. Amen. Prayer ID 64424. God, Lord, please help us find and locate my missing baby cat, Misty. We lost her this morning and are worried sick that she's scared and hungry and we don't know where she is. All we've looked everywhere around our building and still nothing. I ask you to help us to find and help bring her back home to a safe, sound, and unharmed. Amen. Oh, God, please find that cat. Pray ID 64423. Thanks for the prayers that allowed my former home to be sold to a new owner. Amen. You sold your home? Good. Yeah, I knew you were worried about that. Prayer ID 64422. My husband has received a job offer that will help place my husband on a career track he's been working for and help financially. Please pray that he is able to sign the contract, start the job, and be successful. Amen. Prayer ID 
Pray ready, 64421. Please, gods and spirits, heal my sore throat. I am sick and uninsured. Please pray in healing me. I'm worried and scared. Amen. Well, may you be healed. Pray ready, 64420. I need immediate finances to get caught up in the checkbook and pay my bills. Dear St. Jude, please send me immediate finances to pay my bills. Thank you for all that you provide for us. Amen. And prayer ID 64419. Please pray that my daughter's high school varsity soccer coach will let my daughter try out for defense tonight and see all the hard work she's put in all summer and put her on the varsity team for the school year. May it be so. Amen. I got a vision of her being very successful. Prayer ID 64418. Please keep my daughter A in prayers. She's a senior this year. Amen. And prayer ID 64417. I ask anyone reading this to please pray that I reconcile with Kay. Please ask God to change her heart where she cares enough to want to reconcile. If it's God's will that we don't reconcile, I ask for prayers that will heal my heart, mind, and soul. Thank you. Amen. And let's do this one more. Prayer ID 64416. Please guide me into passing my tests today. I've always been bad at test taking. Please give me the strength to pass and focus along with understanding. I really want to become a nurse so bad. Also, I want to make my grandpa happy before he goes along with my dad and other grandpa that passed. Also, I want to make my mom happy. Amen. May these good people get their prayers granted. And let's take just a moment of silent meditation and prayer for all those in need of comfort and affirmation. Amen. As I send my awareness out tonight, I feel a great melancholy um, across our country. There's a, a sense of melancholy and anxiety that I don't – usually there is, but I don't know. Tonight, today and tonight, it seems especially strong. May this nation be healed. You know, May it be healed. We want to talk tonight about the astral, the astral power, and I'm going to tell you that uh, the occult teachings of uh, of the past, the uh, spiritualists taught that, uh, in addition to the five physical senses possessed by humans, uh, which are seeing, feeling, hearing, tasting, and smelling, uh, each of which has its appropriate sense organ. Uh, Every one of us also possessed the five astral senses, which are called, um, well, they're called the astral senses, uh, but they're part of what's known as the astral body. Now, the astral body uh, is not 
that uh, popular a teaching these days. I was I was taught this as a very young man. Uh, it was it used to be a very popular teaching among the spiritualists. And the astral body was a very strange phenomena. Uh, it is a duplicate body of the physical body that exists on the astral plane, which is the spiritual plane just above the material plane. And uh, it was believed that the astral body could leave the physical body and go off on adventures of its own. Uh, and it was connected to the physical body by a very slender thread that came out of the solar plexus. And that this thread would stretch and become thinner and thinner the further away the astral body traveled. And you had to be very careful because if that thread broke, you were in a, a terrible predicament because the physical body would not wake up and would just waste away until it died. And then the astral body, the spirit, would not be able to get back to the physical body. It could not find its way back. So it was believed this was why some people went to sleep and didn't wake up. The astral body cannot find its way back to the physical body. There was a good deal of evidence to support this theory. Uh, it's a very old idea. Um, and many uh, people developed the ability to astral to do to perform astral travel. And uh, I have a lot of people that call me and say, I've been astral planing all day, and I've been astral planing this and astral planing that. And it's not – it's difficult to tell sometimes the difference between people who can ask, actually travel astrally and people who are just uh, fantasy prone. And I'm going to tell you about 90% of the people who tell me they're, they're astral planing are fantasy prone. They're daydreaming. Basically, they're daydreaming and uh, because it's a very difficult skill to develop. Maybe some people naturally can do it, but uh, in many of the cases that I'm talking to, these are people who've just done a whole lot of drugs. Um, because I, uh, it's not that I'm a skeptic, but I'm a pragmatist, and I want to know what I'm dealing with. And the, uh, if everybody who told me that they could astral travel could astral travel, the the ether would be filled with more astral bodies than there are, than there are cell phone signals. Uh, but it's a very there there are seven there are seven planes of existence according to the spiritualists, and the astral plane is the one just above it, and then there are several there are five more above that. But just as the physical senses operate on the physical plane. The astral senses operate on the astral plane. So by means of these astral senses, you can sense outside objects without the use of the physical senses. Right? So by sensing these astral senses, this is where things like clairvoyance and clairaudience and psychometry operate. And that's where they become possible and understandable and learnable. And I think uh, a lot of people are operating these astral senses without knowing how or why. And uh, see, that's not good enough for me. I have this mind that has to understand how these things work. It's the way I was raised. And uh, by the employment of the astral sense of seeing, right, the psychomancer, which is what people of that people who use the astral plane were called, psychomancy, using the, the psychic sense, the astral senses, you're a psychomancer. You're able to perceive occurrences in scenes from afar. This is known as uh, clairvoyance or remote viewing. Uh, you, can, you can see these things incredibly far. Uh, you can see through solid objects. You can see into the past. You can see into the astral ether. You can see other planets. You can see future scenes sometimes. Uh, by the use of the astral sense of hearing... You can hear things from immense distances. You can hear things from the past. You can hear things from the future. Because vibrations from the past continue for a long time. Vibrations from the future can go back through time. So the astral sense of taste and smell are not that often used. But there's a lot of evidence of their existence. And I'll, I'll tell you that I, that I have an, an, an astral sense of smell because... For me, good and bad people smell different. And some people just smell bad to me. 
like I smelled death on them. And it doesn't, it's got nothing to do with body odor. Body odor doesn't necessarily smell bad to me. You know, an, un, an unwashed person does not necessarily smell bad to me, but a bad person does. And I've always been this way. And some people, I can't stand their smell. I can be in a crowded elevator and, you know, this person, this person, and it can be a person who's, they just came from the gym, you know, and they're, they got that man smell, you know, you know, it's like cheese, right? Or Crystal Hamburger, White Castle Hamburger. And that doesn't smell bad to me unless they're a bad person and they give off a miasma. Uh, but a good person can be all sweaty and nasty and funky. And if they're a good person, they smell like nutmeg. A good person to me smells like nutmeg. They smell cinnamony like nutmeg, but a bad person smells like something died. And um, it's got, I mean, they can, sm- they can be fresh out of the shower, uh, covered with cologne, uh, deodorant but there's a smell like something dead um and i could go into a house and the house doesn't smell good uh it's like something died in the house and it's a bad house so uh, i i have a i have an astral smell uh i i have you know i hear voices so i have astral hearing and i see some events i have astral sight now as far as astral touch goes um i believe this is psychometry where you touch objects and you can get a vibe from them um, so the astral sense of taste and smell are not that used, but a lot of people have them. And I believe that a lot of people who are psychic uh, do have the psychic taste uh, without knowing it because I've seen psychics uh, uh, at psychic fairs take someone's hand and they'll make that mouth like they just tasted something bad. You know, they go like that, and they, but they don't, they're not aware of it. But I know that they get to look like they've just tasted something bad. Now, um, I think that astral sense of feeling uh, may be awareness, uh, and we call it psychometry now. Um, So, um, psychometry is a sense of feeling, awareness, or knowledge you get from touching something. And uh, sometimes it's very vague and sometimes it's very strong, but... uh, People who are gifted with psychometry can touch a photograph or they can touch a piece of jewelry or they can touch a person. I can always see them, too. A lot of times they don't even know it. They'll go to a, a store and maybe there's jewelry or maybe there's some. They'll pick up – there'll be five objects. They're, they're identical visually, but they'll pick up every one of them. One of them feels right, and they go, ah, that's it. Uh, uh, psychometrists also have sympathetic pains with their friends. Uh, you know, they pick up. You can uh, sometimes I'll call this empathy, but it's, it's stronger than empathy. They actually feel what their friends are feeling. So uh, this is these are all phenomena of the astral body, not the physical body, but the astral body. So, um, but we have to uh, understand some of the qualities of the astral body. We're going to understand the phenomena of the astral I mean, we understand the phenomena of the physical body. We understand how the nervous system uh, excites the senses. Uh, there's a point of contact. You put food in your mouth, it activates the taste buds, which activate the nerves, that activates the brain, and you taste something. Uh, you know, we understand how this works, but, um, but I'm going to tell you that in... Uh, in the 19th and 20, early 20th century, there's a great deal of study uh, in, in the occult teachings uh, about the astral body. And it was considered a, uh, an established fact that the astral body existed. It was measured. Uh, it was observed. And, it was, and there's, a whole body, man, there's a whole body of literature about it. There stacks and stacks of literature about the astral body. Uh, and in the uh, ancient yogic texts, uh, all schools of thought about this astral body. Sometimes it's called the etheric double. And people who see auras will often see it. It's a clear body that surrounds the physical body before the aura begins. It's an exact counterpart of a perfect physical duplicate of you. It's like a perfect duplicate of you. It is actually not composed of pure energy, but of a fine, subtle matter. This is where a lot of people get it, get it uh, mistaken. 
it's not pure energy. It's not an energy being. It's this is a fine and subtle matter, uh, and it's encased within the physical body, but it has a, a distinct aura of its own. And the detached, it's like, Buddha described it as like a like the reed within, uh, like the pith within a reed. He said there was a, like the, the you know what I'm talking about the pith inside a reed, the core, and he said that. Through meditation, you can leave the body like the pith can be pulled out of a reed, like the core can be pulled out of a reed. So in ordinary cases, the detaching of the astral body from the physical counterpart is accomplished with great difficulty, but sometimes it happens when people are dreaming. Uh, sometimes it happens during uh, periods of stress, uh, but it can happen through development. So... You can develop ways to do this, and uh, through meditation, for instance. And uh, so, once it leaves the body, it can travel at great speeds. Some people say greater than light speed because it exists on a uh, on an astral plane, not a physical plane. And the the uh, restrictions of the physical universe don't really apply to it. So. On these journeys, though, it's always connected with the physical body by this long uh, ribbon, uh, this filament. And if this filament becomes broken, the person dies. On this, everybody's agreeing. The person would die. Now, it, it's not uh, common for that to happen. It's been known to happen. That's why they know. But it's not common for that to happen. That ribbon, that filament is very, very strong. It's not like you can shut a door or a window on it and break it. Uh, it, it takes quite a bit to break that, that filament. Um, now, apparently, the astral body exists quite some time after the death of the physical body, but it will disintegrate in time. And uh, it sometimes will hover around the... Uh, the resting place of the physical body and is mistaken for the spirit of uh, the dead person. Although really it's just a shell. Uh, the uh, a, a subtle material shell that once surrounded the spirit. Kind of like a snake skin. The soul's moved on. The spirit's moved on. It's a, it's a shell. The astral body of a dying person is often projected uh, to the presence <coughs> of friends and loved ones a few moments before the physical death, because of the you know driven by the willpower and the desire of that person to see their loved ones uh, one last time before they go. You see, a lot of the stories we hear about people visiting. Uh, you know, a lot of the ghost stories, the spirit stories we hear, are manifestations of the astral body. Uh, ghost stories uh, and spirit lore right now is is greatly misunderstood. Um, many things are mistaken as spirit that are not. There are spiritual artifacts. It's very hard to tell the difference between a spirit and a psychic imprint, for instance. Strong emotional events will leave a psychic imprint which is basically a recording of consciousness. Like, it's, it's the same, like if you watch uh, a, a movie of Elvis Presley on TV and think that Elvis is still alive. Elvis is gone, right? But you watch him on TV, you might say, oh, Elvis is still here. Well, that's like a psychic imprint. A strong spiritual event will leave a psychic imprint of the person's consciousness. And the thing about a, a psychic imprint, it can, it can even interact with people on a very limited basis. It, it can answer questions on a very limited basis. So I can give you an example. Uh, I have a Mrs. Beasley doll that belonged to a little girl who passed away. And the little girl left a psychic imprint on the doll, which means that you can communicate in a very limited sense to what appears to be a spirit of a little girl. But it's not a spirit. It's not a consciousness. It's not sentient. But I will tell you that I've had no less than six well-meaning, and I say this with quotation marks, clairvoyance, call me an awful man for not freeing the spirit of that little girl from that doll. And I've said, and it doesn't do any good to argue with them because they know they're right. 
they you know they they know that spirit is in there because that doll will talk sometimes you know mrs beasley has a voice box right it doesn't work but the uh, psychic imprint in there will cause that voice box to make noise and oh you awful man you should let it, let little girl go to the light. I said, why, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? I'm going to tell you that that little girl's spirit has been freed no less than six times. And it's still there because it's not a spirit. It's a psychic imprint. It's a recording of a consciousness. And this happens in haunted houses a lot, too. Um, people will see, like, the gray lady who does a repetitive action again and again and again. You know, she'll get come down the hall, go down the stairs, go into the kitchen, jump off the balcony – that's not a spirit. That's a psychic imprint. And it took psychic investigators a long time to figure this out. But people, well, oh, my God, she's trapped in a, in a psychic loop and she's doomed forever. It's, her, the spirit's gone. Her, you know, her soul is gone. That's a psychic, it's a recording. It's called a bio-recording, in fact, by many ghost hunters. It's a bio-recording. But, you see, people who are untrained in this uh, tell these ghost stories to themselves and others, and they – they call themselves experts in this, and you can't argue with them. They, um, they, they're you know they're self-proclaimed experts in this. They don't know the literature. Uh, the spiritualists have already investigated this. Um, there's a body of literature that go back centuries, and uh, they understand the difference between the spirit, the astral body, and bio recordings. There, there are differences, but if you just go into this and try to figure it out on your own. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's like when you do readings and you do it on your own. Um, anybody can go buy a deck of tarot cards and learn it from you know the LWB, the Little White Book, and read the meanings of that. And you're going to find a, a bunch of uh, uh, easily fooled people who think you're a genius. You know, you say, "Oh, the the high priestess means uh, your intuition is warning you about something." And uh, you know, here's you know here's the emperor. Uh, you have father issues. Oh my God! You know you're 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 psychic. You no, know, you're not. You know, um, but you're going to find people that that think you are. And you know this is why we see on Facebook people who have been reading tarot for an hour and a half, and they say, Hey, call me. I'll do readings. You know, twenty five dollars. I'll do readings for you. And you have people say, Oh my God, she did a great reading, or he he's a genius. He did a wonderful reading. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Um, uh, it's just that you you can find in. You know, among a hundred people, you're going to find 25 that think you're a genius. You know, it's it's a that's a Saint Germain's law. Out of out of a hundred people, you'll find 25 that think you're a genius, no matter what you do. And this is this is what happens when you train yourself. You need a teacher. You need a teacher. So, um, a lot of our spiritual phenomena that we see is a uh, manifestation of the astral body. So, it, it but the astral body itself is a shell for the soul. It's a containment field for the soul, basically. Um, so it frequently travels from its physical counterpart and visits scenes. It senses, it leaves the body um, during what the spiritualists called psychomantic dreams, sometimes under anesthetics uh, during surgery. And we hear that story where someone's under surgery and they leave their body and they, they uh, go tootling off on adventures and go into the waiting room and watch their own surgery. Um, sometimes under hypnosis it can occur. Um, it often holds mental conversations with other astral bodies, and you know these astral travelers uh, often have their own little uh, 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 <laughs> gangs uh, or other disembodied entities that exist on the astral plane. And oh, there's a lot of literature about that too. So sometimes these uh, jumbled and uh, disoriented. Uh, Memories of these dreams, uh, the brain tries to make sense of them because you don't the – astral, the astral body has a different type of sense apparatus than the physical body. So you wake up and you say, what, what was that? So your brain tries to make sense of it, tries to translate it into physical phenomena due to lack of training, basically. And you get this blurred uh, and distorted version of events that you just barely remember. Uh, but you know something – Something very strange happened while you were asleep. Um, sometimes you don't remember at all, but you know you wake up and you think something. What was that? I dreamed something very odd happened. Um, so let's. Um, I made some notes here. Um, we don't want to. We don't want to theorize. If you ask 
a hundred people about theories of the afterlife, you'll get a hundred different answers. You say, what is spirit? What happens when we die? I'll tell you, there's a hundred people that will tell you, well, I know what happens. I know what a spirit is. I know what the afterlife is like. Yes, Sylvia Brown. Yes, James von Prague. Yes, John, Jonathan Edward. They'll tell you that they know, and they'll I'll tell you different things. I'm not going to get involved in theory. I want to talk about practical applications and how to learn it. I'll tell you about the afterlife. We'll know soon enough for ourselves. And I'm going to tell you that I think the afterlife could very well be subjective. I mean, it could very well be subjective. You die and there's a subjective afterlife, just like if if we all go to the uh, uh, bank, if we all went down to my bank, we're all going to have a subjective experience. Or it could be objective. It could be different for all of us. And I, I tend to have a feeling that the afterlife is objective. It's different for all of us. We create it with our consciousness. That the afterlife is a is consciousness, and that we we create it um, through our subjectivity. Um, I meant to, I meant that the other way. That the afterlife could be objective. I mean, it could be like if you you die and you go you know, to a big building and it's the same. But I think it might be subjective. I think we create it with our perceptions. But let's say that there are three classes of uh, psychomantic phenomena, astral body phenomena, um, and these all involve astral sense phenomena. Um, let's say that we we sense by the sensations or the quickening of the astral senses uh, through the uh, emanations, the vibrations of persons and things um, that we sense by means of what's called the astral tube, which I wrote about in Crystal Magic, which is um, created through your will or your desire this is a sensory tube that you create connecting you to another person. And in crystal magic, I told you how to create it with a uh, crystal ball. But the idea is that you create between yourself and another person a, a tube that you can see through, like a telescope. Or you sense by means of the actual projection of your astral body to a different scene. So... Imagine that you have these three different ways of seeing that you directly sense the vibrations that you that you project a tube between you like a telescope, a psychic telescope between you and another person, or you actually project your astral body out of your physical body and go look at it yourself. You know, like you get on a bus and go across town, but you don't. Your, your astral body just pops out, you know, keeping that ribbon connection and you go look at it that that would be what we would call today remote viewing so let's have some station identification and we'll come back and talk some more about this because i don't know about you but uh i find this kind of stuff very very interesting is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige Sapiru, Wednesdays, 3 to 4.30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya. Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back with all of five minutes. <coughs> this hour just flies by, I tell you what. So, we'll just scratch the surface about how to develop this in part two tomorrow, uh, tomorrow next week. 
which is uh, really a week flies by like a day for me. If you're me, I'm busy from the time I get up to the time I pass out at bedtime. Um, further how to develop. I'm going to tell you the necessary qualities of uh, developing this sort of thing. It's very simple. First of all, these psychomantic abilities lie dormant in everybody. This is part of the human condition. The ability to do these things. The astral body is part of all of us. If you have if you have life in you, you have an astral body. Uh, if you have a soul, if you have spirit, uh, the the life force itself, the creative force within us, uh, we have the astral body. <clears throat> so first of all, we have to understand that understanding that these things are dormant within us. The desire to develop them is very important. Um, we have to recognize it. I have talked to people who have utter disbelief in this sort of thing. And I say, have you never experienced a paranormal event? And they'll say, no, absolutely not, never. Now, I don't believe that. I don't. You're telling me you never experienced something that just set you back? You never had an event that occurred in your life where you just had to stop and say, wait a minute, that's not possible. They go, no, I didn't. No, I don't. No, everything that's ever happened in my life is utterly mundane and explainable. Bullshit. That's bullshit. You're bullshitting me. You know, I'm a practical person. I am very practical. I'm very practical, and I can find explanations for. You know, I, I'm not gullible. I'm not a gullible human being. But man, I'm telling. There's stuff that set me back on my heels. There, you just go that. That can't be. That cannot be. And you know, I'm a person that lives in this field. I'm a. I'm a spiritual person. To me, magic happens all the time. There are things outside of magic. There are things that my brain stopped, where my brain shut down. No activity in my brain. I couldn't move. And I just said, wait, no, no. Even for me, even for me, that's far and away the least likely thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe. Even for me. So if it's happened to me, I know it's happened to you. So... No, that, that, the psychological term for that is denial. And I'm going to tell you that where's, where acceptance that there is an invisible world and the ability to do these things opens up the door, disbelief and denial shuts the door. So imagination can work for you and imagination can work against you. You know, there's a thing called selective amnesia, and this is what happens when people are texting and driving, and they do not actually see. They do they do not see the person walk out in front of them. They do not. Driving uh, simulators has shown this, that someone texting and driving, the eyes do not register the person walking in front. The pupils don't dilate. Your eyes involuntarily scan something that moves within your line of vision. The pupils do not dilate and scan the person walking out in front of the car on the driving simulator when they're texting. The brain doesn't register it. So you can deny that something exists. You can have an experience, and if you tell yourself, I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in ghosts, a, a, a damn ghost can walk right in front of you. You don't see it. You can tell yourself, I don't believe in trees, and you not see it. It's called a negative hallucination. So, yes, disbelief can prevent the very thing from happening that you want to happen. It sure can. And uh, so there's a very good psychological reason why many people are experience-prone. These are people that have magic happen all the time. And why some people are not experience-prone. And these are people who nothing happens. So... Belief and disbelief are very, very potent psychological factors on not just the supernatural, and I hate that word, but there it is, the paranormal plane of action, but in the mundane world as well. So astral, astral senses operate on that, and we'll talk about it next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. And I ran out of time. <laughs> uh. Oh, dear.